This is David Smith, the host and narrator for the Medicaid Transformation Podcast. We had committed during the launch of of this uh, program to try to post a couple of interviews per month and have generally kept with that cadence up until everything was upended by COVID-19. We are planning for the rest of this year to continue with that general theme, but certainly in the context of how the world has changed and is changing and uh, what that will mean for our shared ambitions for the vulnerable in the coming uh, months and years. If you're anything like me, if, if I see one more COVID product, webinar, pitch, or, or something that is, is looking to be really opportunistic about the moment, I might just scream. Uh, this is not that, and, and we want to be really thoughtful about uh, making sure that anytime we speak on the subject, it is of use, not adding to the noise. So know that we're going to operate with that level of deference and sensitivity. It's important to us to be substantive. So I'm going to talk just a little bit about some of our thinking, a little bit about the digital solutions we've seen that, that we think are material, substantive, and help to support the health system. And then we're going to begin taking a harder look at behavioral health and other topics. I know that everybody in the world right now is having a shared human experience. And I think for many, if not all of us, this is the first time where we have lived through a phenomenon like this and have had to take social and professional steps to to make our own personal contributions to, to studying this. I don't know exactly how you felt as things were beginning to develop in late February or early March, but I, I distinctly remember having the feeling um, that after talking about quote-unquote vulnerable populations for you know years, suddenly I felt very vulnerable, still do in some ways, the uncertainty that something like this brings to our lives, whether it's in the context of our uh, jobs or our families, our social connections, our, our comforts, the way that we choose to spend time, to, to have all of that suddenly upended on an open-ended basis is jarring. And though many of us uh, have, have fared comfortably because of our uh, economic circumstances. Many, many more of us have not fared as well. And, and so while we all share a, a human moment of vulnerability at this time, it's important to remember and recognize that many, many more throughout our country are experiencing elevated levels of uh, mental duress, physical duress, social duress, which there is not a, a sufficient infrastructure to to meet those folks at this time. It, and it, it opens up a lot of considerations and, and a lot of important thoughts around prioritizing this moment and how we rebuild following uh, this particular moment. You know, one, one other thing just to share on the front end that I've been thinking a little bit about, anybody that is listening and that knows me um, knows that I spent several years of my life working for uh, governor Mike Levitt, who was a three-term governor of Utah and EPA administrator for President Bush, as well as running the 
uh, Department of Health and Human Services up until the, the beginning of the Obama uh, administration. And th thankfully, I still have an opportunity to uh, chat with Governor Levitt every so often. And uh, a few days ago from, from this recording, I had a question I wanted to run by him and send him a text. We got on the phone and got my question answered. We had a few extra minutes and just genuinely curious as to how he uh, was thinking about this moment, the, the administration's response, you know, governor's response, and I'll obviously dispense with those details. But he said something that, that was, that's was that been really important to me. He said, you know, David, when I was a secretary, I deliberately spent about three years studying uh, the nature of pandemics, how they uh, proliferate, how they are guarded against, how they are treated, epidemiology and contact tracing and all the, the other terms we've become so familiar with in recent weeks. And he, he said, but the most interesting thing is the history of pandemics. And, and if you look at the history of pandemics, real pandemics, so a pandemic is on a global scale, and they spread quickly and they have a, a high transmission rate, high infection rate, and, and the, the, the deadlier ones have a, have a higher mortality rate. It's in the, that history that each time we've had one of those, it served as a, a societal point of inflection. And more specifically, the, the sociology of a society resets, the culture of a society begins to reset, the, the economic construct of a society resets. And I cannot help but think to myself how prescient that feels right now as, as we have watched our economy in, in some miraculous ways adapt to the moment. Late night shows, advertising, teleplatforms that have driven social connectedness and professional services. Uh, I can still order products from Apple or Nordstrom, get takeout food. We, we have been able to leverage our country's technology infrastructure and employ it in ways that it was kind of intended to be employed in, but that we had not done at scale or, or in a sustained way ever. And I think that probably is the tip of the iceberg in the kinds of changes we will make in the way we conduct business and socialize as uh, we move forward. And I think it's, a, it's an important thing to recognize because that sits in the backdrop of some fairly significant structural changes that uh, are, are likely or possibly going to be on the horizon as we move through the next couple of years. And I thought prior to my colleagues talking a bit about the, the substance of, of solutions we've been uh, focused on, I might just share what I've come to view as the th three core phases that will shape the next 10 to 15, 20 plus years. The first phase, of course, is, is the phase that we're living in. And it's a, it's a phase that's difficult because we can't really define everything about it yet. We don't have perfect data on uh, the impact. We, we don't have a great sense of the, of the full pathology of the disease. We don't know exactly when we will have testing, treatment, or vaccinations at scale. And we, we don't really know when things will, quote unquote, go back to normal. Uh, there is, a, I think, a common consensus right now that 
whatever a new normal looks like is not reached until we hit the point that we can vaccinate for this disease at scale. And even then, some of these changes I described earlier are, are probably enduring changes, and our new normal will probably not look like the old pre-COVID normal. Through this period of time, we will obviously see a, a delicate balance from policymakers, governors, hospital executives, and others trying to, to keep one, one foot on war footing and preparing for a resurgence or subsequent wave of the virus, while also trying to conduct the, the business uh, of their normal day-to-day -day operation. And that balance is going to be difficult. It's going to cost money and resources. And because of its open-ended nature, it is, it is going to be difficult to manage without having clarity uh, on when that end point is. That as our, our first period is important because it really does influence the other two periods, particularly the second, which is the, the economic distress that is created by, by this moment. Uh, I know, like many of you, I, I get a, several different entities notifying me every Thursday morning about the, the new jobless claims, and I won't go through those numbers, but we all understand that they are, they are at an unprecedented volume and uh, peak, and we are already um, in a recession. We, we are already experiencing an economic contraction. There's a, a notion by some that, that there's pent-up demands will create some kind of a, a V-shaped recovery. I'm an economist by training, maybe not as much by practice, but it is difficult to find any economic contraction that is modeled in, in a V-shaped way. This is not how economies function or operate. We are seeing the major cessation or a contraction across industries, and not only will that remain under whatever the new normal is, the new social or economic compact that we have, but, but nothing really does get back to where it was until we have a, a vaccination at scale. I don't know exactly what that equates to in a GDP or unemployment thus far, but there's, there are enough predictions on the unemployment side that say, you know, in a very conservative way, maybe 10% unemployment. That was a great recession level. And places like the St. Louis Federal Reserve have projected as high as uh, 30%, which is, which is depression level economic contraction. W wherever you are in that 10 to 30%, whatever the actual number is for a short term or, or, a, or a medium term basis, that changes the economics of our healthcare system in, in a really important way. As uh, people lose their jobs, they will lose their commercial coverage and they will either elect to be uninsured or they will uh, enroll in Medicaid or they will uh, enroll in, in uh, the Affordable Care Act exchanges. Under any of those events, those, those payers, if you will, uh, tend to reimburse at much lower rates than we would see from employer-sponsored insurance. So at the same time we would see a reduction in employer-sponsored insurance, we could see a significant increase in Medicaid beneficiaries and ACA-enrolled individual, individuals in this country. Really important to uh, acknowledge that because the financial pressure that that will 
put on uh, our delivery system, which generally doesn't run very high margins anyway, is significant, especially uh, if taken in the context of the pre-existing or ongoing trauma of the the COVID impact itself, the shuttering of elective procedures and in pursuit of uh, preserving scarce acute care capacity. So th- this this period could be marred by uh, significant changes in how healthcare finance works and, and and really starts to present leaders not just with operational dilemmas like furloughs or program funding and budgets, but represents them with structural questions about the things we have been talking about in this country and our health system for years. How do I, how do I get paid uh, at higher rates when my performance is, is optimal? How do I extend a scarce infrastructure or a scarce workforce to, to cover more people? How do I better manage uh, the cost that I incur when uh, individuals uh, come in and are in need of some kind of a, a service? There, there are a bunch of different things that we can and will talk about that implicates all of those various areas, but it's important to acknowledge that the level of stress and the dispassion of those economics are, are likely to create enough pain to make many of us do things we wouldn't have otherwise done and and to make difficult decisions. That brings us to a a, a third period, a subsequent waves of a COVID outbreak and a recession and a changing healthcare reimbursement environment are all happening during the same year as a major election. It was already a significant election before any of this happens because of the political dissonance we've been experiencing in this country for years. But it becomes very important now because this has the potential to swing the ideological pendulum hard in one direction or the other. It could take and shift the the idea of Medicare for All as being a kind of fun theoretical exercise, but something that is not practical to potentially a significant policy ambition that you could see from parts of the country. If you take those three phases, the uncertainty and the constant need to to be balanced and measured while we're seeing a societal uh, inflection uh, on top of a recession that will alter the reimbursement composition of our healthcare system, and inflict the level of pain and pressure not seen in some time that that could yield uncommon decision-making, and a political construct that may give rise to a a new form of programming or financing by the federal government and states. Those are, are three pretty significant things to be prepared for. The best posture for anybody to take at a moment like this is to accept and embrace that level of disruption and begin charting a a path that fundamentally reimagines the way we operate in this environment. There are those that will fight it and resist, and typically history is replete with people that fight change because the, the force of change consumes them. This is in my estimation, and I think the estimation of many of my colleagues, an unprecedented opportunity uh, for us to advance the things we know in this country can get us better outcomes than what we have, we have received uh, in the past. 
We have an understanding of value-based care payment and aligned economic incentives. We have developed incredible digital tools and infrastructure. We understand the science of care models and how to improve outcomes and lower cost. We have incredible medical professionals, incredible scientists, unparalleled manufacturing prowess and capacity. Our system has every element it needs uh, to be a, a world-class, agile, mobile, responsive, efficient system for all Americans. And despite whatever happens on the political front, this moment, the inflection and the changes in our uh, economics present us with an opportunity to, to get it right where we've gotten it wrong. That's going to be the nature of our focus. We, we talk a lot about Medicaid and Medicaid beneficiaries. The truth is, as I said at the beginning, we are uh, all vulnerable and we are all susceptible to the uh, fallibilities or the strengths of this healthcare system. And it is so far past time for us to, to do the right thing, even if, even if driven by something uncomfortable, than to continue to secure and maintain the status quo of something that does not give us what we pay for while uh, keeping all of us uh, comfortable. So it's going to be a, a, a tremendous couple of years. Uh, we appreciate the support. We will stay focused on these issues. We sincerely hope uh, you and uh, your loved ones are faring well and look forward to our continued dialogue with all of you. Thank you.